Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Before you sit down, let's just take a moment, take a pause, take a breath, and let that lyric sink in that God is the one, the one, who never leaves the one, you, behind. That's his heart. Doesn't leave anybody behind. Take a moment and and, and let that truth sink into your heart this Easter about who God is. He's bigger. He's better than you think. He will never, ever leave you behind. But he won't force himself on you. You and I have to decide whether or not we want to be left behind, whether we'll let go. But once he holds on to our hand, he will never let it go. Kind Father, right here in real time in this moment, we believe that you are present with love, with patience, with kindness. Lord, you are the God who's described as a good God, a forgiving God, a gracious God. And those are big words, some of them. They're theological words. You're the God who redeems us. You're the God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And our prayer today is that somehow, some way, that you would show up supernaturally and seal your love and your truth into our hearts this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is really fun to be together this Easter. Fun to look out and see so many faces we haven't seen in a year. And uh, thank you for showing up today. I read a story about a month ago, and uh, it caught my attention. It's a story that actually back in 1991, so that's 30 years ago right now, there was this guy who went to a flea market, and he was browsing and looking and just You know, somebody's, uh, what, junk is somebody else's treasure. And he found a little picture frame. He negotiated for it, was bargaining and bantering, and finally agreed he'd buy it for four bucks. He was a little, you know, not really wanting to, he only wanted to spend two, but he said, "I'll, I'll spend four. And he buys this picture frame and he takes it home, and it's a true story, and he he notices that there's this ancient document behind the frame. And he looks at it and and then just kind of hurried and busy and not really paying attention because he was going to place a photo, a favorite photo in that frame, never again gave it a second thought. Fast forward two years later, a friend of his saw the frame and looked at it and looked behind it and noticed the ancient document. 
said, this, this is something. This is like treasure that you haven't really discovered. And he took the document and, and had it verified. And it was a, I want to get this right. It was a first edition copy of the Declaration of Independence. Can you believe that? And reportedly was worth well over $1 million. Treasure right there in front of him that he couldn't see, that he he had yet to discover. He just kind of ignored it or, I know there's something there, but I'll deal with it later. That's not the only treasure story. I read uh, a $3 Chinese bowl later sold at Sotheby for $2.2 million. It was a treasure from the Northern Song Dynasty, and the person who owned it and paid three bucks for it had no idea of what was right in front of them. And then what about the California family? You probably heard this story, who stumbled on a can of ancient gold coins in their backyard. Right there in their backyard. They find these gold coins worth $10 million. Here's what I want you to hear this Easter. There is so much treasure that surrounds us that we can't see. Not just silver and gold treasure, but spiritual truth and spiritual treasure. And that's what Easter is all about. The story of Easter is the treasure of God right in front of us, right in our backyard. We've kind of maybe noticed it and said, I'll deal with it later. We kind of maybe picked up a Bible once or maybe a long time ago. We, we, we said, maybe there's something to that, but ah, right now I, I don't have time or I'm, I'm, I'm kind of busy. But the good news of Easter is today, 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 I hope that you might take the next few minutes to listen, to pay attention, to discover, to rediscover the treasure that that God has put right in your lap this day. I frame this Easter message around three reflections, the, the truth of Easter, the treasure of Easter, and then the triumph of Easter. So what's the truth of Easter? I picked a passage out of Ephesians chapter 2. Some of you are like, I don't know what Ephesians is. It's a little letter in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2, It's you want to read it. You want to soak in it. It's filled with treasure. And here's what we read. The Apostle Paul, a biblical writer, He wants to share some treasure with people. And he's describing here in the first few verses, don't miss this. He's describing what life is like separated from God, apart from God. When I live in rebelliousness to God or going, I don't need God. I'm going to just live life on my own. I want to be God. I want to be in charge. And here's how he describes that life. He's talking to a church and he says, once you were dead, Because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. That means to miss the mark. You're trying to do good, but you you fail, you fall short. He says you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, 
obeying the devil. He introduces the devil. Like, what? The devil. The commander of the powers of the unseen world. What's he saying? Spiritual powers are real, both evil and good. And they're unseen. But listen to this next phrase. He's talking about the devil as the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to respond or obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our selfish nature. Here's what I want you to hear. Sin, for those of you who are like, sin, what's that? Think of selfishness. Who here is not a selfish person? You go, I'm not selfish. Now just ask who you came with. All right, they'll, they'll verify. Well, all of us are selfish. In fact, all of us have a virus, a sin virus. We're prone, we're bent towards, we're infected with selfishness. That's what the Bible teaches. And I love this quote by a biblical scholar, Sam Ballantyne. He says, sin disrupts. Sin disrupts our relationship with God and, don't miss this, diminishes our capacity to be all we were created to be. I'm going to read that again. This is the Easter message. Sin disrupts our relationship with God. What we're going to talk about here this morning is God does something about that. But sin, the power of sin, it disrupts our relationship with God, and diminishes your capacity to be all that you were created to be. And so what's he saying? He's saying that because of our selfishness, we live our lives out of alignment. Another word picture. You go and get your car aligned because it's veering a certain way, right? If the steering's out of alignment, it's bent to go to the right. You let go of the steering wheel. Anybody, anybody have a car that's out of alignment, right? That's what sin and selfishness does. It, it causes us to leave God's path, leave that way of love, which is his path, and, and be about ourselves, about me, myself, and I. See? And if you're wondering if this world has a sin and selfishness virus, just think about what's happening on our planet. Think about violence. Think about corruption, corruption in the church, corruption in the police force, corruption in higher education. There's corruption all over, deceitfulness, lying. But there's malnutrition of babies all over the world. There's depression, loneliness, homelessness. I mean, I just go on and on, theft, stealing. You, you can list it. We're surrounded by it. And that's the truth of Easter is that our relationship with our creator has been disrupted by this virus called sin and selfishness. That's the truth of Easter. And so my question is, so what? What do we do about that? Well, we either get to choose to live separated from God, far from God, doing our own thing, and you can... See for yourself what that looks like by just kind of looking generally at the way our world operates today, right? And even God's people operating unaligned with God, it just, I, I think it breaks his heart. This world needs a savior. The truth of Easter is every one of us has wandered 
away from God. We're selfish in nature. But there's a treasure of Easter, the treasure of Easter. And Paul says it this way. In fact, maybe before I read this scripture, let me ask you this. What do you think is the solution or the remedy for all that's wrong in our world? Is it Washington? Is it Wall Street? Is it Hollywood? I mean, all these places that we're looking to kind of be the remedy for the the virus, the spiritual virus in our world today, in our hearts, your heart and my heart. The Bible says that that remedy isn't in Washington and it's not on Wall Street and it's not in Hollywood. It's actually, it's it's the hidden treasure of the Bible found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right at the end of those Gospels. Read the story yourself. It's found, the remedy for our sin is found at a place called Golgotha. It's where Christ, Jesus himself, died on a cross and then was buried. And three days later, and that's what Easter we celebrate, he rose again from the dead. The treasure of Easter, listen to how Paul describes it. But God, okay, you're all selfish and sinful, he says, but God, I love that, is so rich in mercy and loved us so much. Did you hear how God is described? Rich in mercy and loved us, loved you so much that, verse 5, even though we were dead, spiritually dead, because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been rescued or saved. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. The treasure of Easter, the treasure of Easter is grace, 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 grace. Now, some of you, I I feel like I need to tell you that, that, that you need to know that word. You need to be familiar with that word. It's not like, you know, hey, it's dinner time. Let's say grace. Who's going to, God is good. God is great. Amen. Grace is so much more than that. Let me read you some definitions. Grace, 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 grace. It's God treating you and me so much better than we deserve. Grace is the ongoing, ongoing, never-ending expression of God's love and kindness. A never-ending love and kindness. And I love how uh, at Good Friday, Scott Lasea reminded us in his talk, there is no limit. There is no limit to how far the love of God will go to rescue us. And the cross and the empty tomb of Easter remind us of the grace of God. Verse 4 says, he loved us so much. But did you notice when I was reading, don't miss this point right now, it says you're saved by grace, but then it has this little phrase, you know, in the, some translations it says, through faith. In the NLT, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. 
Faith believed. Same thing, right? What does that mean? What does that word mean? I love John Orberg. He's an author. He wrote this description or definition of belief and faith. He says, to believe in Jesus means to think that he is right. To believe in Jesus means to think he is right about everything. He is right about everything. And then he goes on to say, and therefore, we who believe are ready and willing to do whatever he says. That's what it means to believe. It's to think, God, Jesus, you are right about everything. And now I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do. You're telling me that I should serve others? If you said it, I'm going to do it. You're saying you want me to love my enemies? Okay, you said it. I need your power. I need your help. But I'm going to do it. It's aligning myself with God's ways, not my ways. I'm now surrendering. I'm letting go of my ways, and I'm, I'm changing paths. I'm saying I'm going to walk on God's path. That's what it means to believe, to think that he is right about everything. And therefore, we become responsive. We don't say, no, Lord, right? That doesn't make sense. You don't say, no, Lord. You say, yes, I'm eager, I'm ready, and willing to do whatever you say. And let me just transition into my last reflection. And it's just from the beginning, Jesus' vision was that grace would not be hoarded by us, but actually shared. What does that mean? It means that once the grace of God, that I believe in it, I think he's right, and I'm eager, willing, ready to do what he says, now my life actually is transformed. I become a new person, a different person, and I share that grace in the way I treat people. I become a gracious, thoughtful, kind, considerate, forgiving, generous person. And that's the triumph of Easter. I love T.D. Jakes. Several years ago, Jono and I, we, we took his sermon, and, and, and he just had this cadence. It was so great. But give you just a, a soundbite of it. He said, on Friday, it looked like death had won. When they buried him, they, 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 they crucified him. And then they buried him, and it looked like death had won. And then on Saturday, it was silent. It was still. Everybody's wondering what happened. It looked like death had won. And then, like only T.D. Jakes can do, he said, but on Sunday morning. And at that point, the whole audience cheered. The tomb was empty. Christ was risen. Death had been defeated. Life triumphed over death. Easter, Easter, Easter is a celebration because love wins. Love wins. The way of God, the way of God in the Bible is love. I don't know how you were raised or what you were taught to think about what God is like, but he's bigger and better than you think. And he's the God who says grace and love wins. And so what does that mean? It means Easter has not been canceled. Love has not been canceled. 
hope has not been canceled. No, the triumph of Easter reminds us that we're saved for something far greater. Now, some of your, this has been your experience of faith. I raised my hand at a church thing, and then I was just told I can't drink beer anymore, and I got to go to church. It's like, woohoo! You know, who's signing up for that? And I guess the question is, is that, is that why Jesus suffered on the cross? Is that why Jesus went through all of that for you so that then he could say to you, hey, no more beer on Friday nights, and now I'm going to punish you, and you got to go to church on Sunday. I mean, is that God's dream and vision for your life and my life? And I want to say that the triumph of Easter is when the risen Christ actually wins in your heart and life. When he triumphs over your willfulness and stubbornness and rebelliousness, when he comes into your life and you say, God, I'm ready, come into my life, that's the triumph of Easter. The treasure is the cross and the resurrection, but the real triumph is when you and I respond to the treasure of Easter. You know, the challenge is, I don't know how many of you read To Kill a Mockingbird, one of the classic classic books and films, Harper Lee, she wrote some words in that story that, that gave me pause when I read them recently. She wrote this, sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another man. There are just some kind of men who are so busy worrying about the next world that they have never learned to live in this one. And all you have to do is look down the street and see the results. Now just sit in that. That's an embarrassment to the church. That's an embarrassment to the people of God that you read a quote like this, you go, wow, I'm a man of the Bible, but gosh, you'd never know it by the way I live, the way I treat others, the way I think, the way I'm judgy, the way I'm hypocritical, the way I condemn others that aren't like me. But I love that learning to live in this world. That's what we're doing. And Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. We are God's workmanship. He created us anew in Christ. Why? So we can do the good things that he planned for us. We can do the good things that he planned for us. What does that mean? It means that Jesus died on a cross and he rose again on the third day. Don't miss this. Not just to get you to heaven, but to get heaven into you. Some of you are like, oh, I just want to get my hell insurance. That's not the point of Easter. The point of Easter is to get heaven into you. Yeah, he died to save us from our sins, and we will spend eternity in heaven. But right now he's saying, but now I want to get heaven into you. I want to change your life and change your family and change your workplace through you because of the kind of person that I want to make you into. You know, Scripture says, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So 
I don't want you to think of this idea that Easter is, is now about, oh, I can't do anything. No. The Bible says this God of love comes to earth, dies, is raised to life to set you free from that truth that we talked about, your selfishness, so that we no longer live for ourselves. When Christ moves into our life and we actually believe him, we no longer live for ourselves selfishly. We start to live beyond ourselves in love and service and sacrifice. And that's God's dream for our lives, to become the best version of ourselves. I'm going to invite the band up. I have one story and then we're done. Got a guitar string here. I don't know if you guys can see it in the back. But, uh, you know, my dream is to be a rock and roll star someday, and it would be awesome to... But can you just... I want you to think about this string right now. Look at the wind is blowing it. This string is free. It's just free to go any way it wants. Do whatever it wants. I'm just kind of moving it up here, and it's just kind of doing whatever it feels like. And this is the way a lot of us live our lives. And then, you know, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could maybe just break out my first solo in Ocean Hills history, and I'll, I'll play this guitar? Like, like I'm trying to, trying to play a song on this thing, but it doesn't seem to be working. Do you know what the problem is? Raise your hand if you know what the problem is. Do you get the word picture here? Here's the problem. This guitar string was meant for so much more. This guitar string isn't really free. It's only free when it's bound, fixed, attached to, connected to a guitar. When it gets connected, when it gets bound to, it can become the best version of itself. It can begin to sing. It can begin to, to make music. All it takes is one string playing. That sounds a lot better than this. Joe, help me out, brother. A string that is bound can play beautiful music. Men and women, look up here right now. You were created by God and for God. And your life isn't going to make much sense until you figure that out, that your life is like this guitar string. And God wants you to become the best version of yourself this Easter. And that's only going to happen if you connect your life to God's, that you get bound and fixed, right, connected to Him, in faith, believing that He's right about everything that he loves you no matter what, that there's no limit, no limit, no limit to that love. Nothing you can do that'll cause him to love you less. In fact, it's your brokenness, your sinfulness, your selfishness that he's drawn to because he's seasoned. And he sees your life and he's going, there's so much more for you. I got so much more that I created you for. And so in this moment, we're going to sing Reckless Love. And I want you to allow the lyrics of, these song, of this song to penetrate your heart. 
But I'm going to invite you today, wherever you are, if you're in a place in your life where you're going, I want to believe today. I'm going to just put your hand on your heart, wherever you are. Maybe you, I, I put my hand on my heart every day because sometimes I wander away. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready to believe again today that you're right about everything. And I'm ready today and I'm willing today to follow you. If that's you today, just right where you're seated, we're going to sing. But just leave your hand on your heart there as an act of commitment, act of surrender, an act of faith and believing the truth of Easter and the treasure of Easter and that you want God to win in your heart today. God bless you. Let's sing. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.